0: Boys and girls, welcome once again to the Global Gale podcast. My name is Philip O'Connor, and for once I am coming to you not from my little studio in Stockholm, Sweden, where I've lived for the last 23 years. I am down in the south of that country now. I'm in the city of Malmö, just across the famous bridge from Copenhagen, and I've been down here uh, doing some stuff for the other podcast I have, which is on the same feed called Irish in Sweden. I've been a fantastic Irish bar down here, which will soon be celebrating its 25th anniversary. But that's not what you're here for. You're here to to hear the tales of the Irish around the world, but this week it looks like you're going to be hearing the tale of one of the lads who does live here in Sweden, because it's not a Swedish-specific story, if you will, right? So uh, I'll get onto that in a little while. Uh, If you are celebrating St. Patrick's Day, as I know many are around the world, I know loads of Irish people are just really, really busy at the moment. I was looking in uh, some of the Facebook groups that I'm a member of. I hope you don't mind, actually, but I'd be in there sort of dropping links to the podcast that I think specific people would be interested in. So last week, I was kind of dropping a link to the discussion I had with Larry Donnelly about voting rights for the Irish abroad, and I was sort of dropping it into some of the... Uh, the groups over beyond there in America and I noticed that in in Philadelphia and in Chicago and in New York and in San Francisco, the lads and ladies are going mad there for St. Patrick's Day and they're looking for dancers and they're looking for musicians and costumes and pipe bands and big straggly beards for St. Patrick and do you happen to have a spare Crozier? And it's great to see because it's not just the day itself. Like, you know, we're over, you know, we're sort of a month out from it now. We're almost exactly a month as I'm talking to you. And it's a great way of of occupying occupying yourself uh, in what is the end of the northern hemisphere winter and it's the same thing I'm sure down in Australia and that kind of thing as well if you are doing something special or if you're celebrating any sort of an anniversary if there's somebody in your community there that you think should be celebrated around St. Patrick's Day or in the run-up to St. Patrick's Day or things that you want people to know or if you're looking for specific things or people to get in touch, with, do get in touch with the podcast on social media. You can do it via LinkedIn, via Facebook, via Instagram and that kind of thing. Now, in the coming weeks, I set up a few pages, right? And this was the way back in the day when uh, social media was just starting. Everything was going to have its own page and everything was going to have its own Instagram account its own Twitter account and its own MySpace with only Tom following you that kind of thing. But um, I was talking to a fellow there recently, a brilliant guy called Shane Monaghan, who's a sort of a podcast and audio consultant. And Shane was saying, look, at just put everything out under your own name. So it'll be tightening it up a little bit and mostly uh, post under my own name. So that's at Philip O'Connor on Twitter, at Philip Ablana on Instagram, and then just find Philip O'Connor in Stockholm on Facebook and LinkedIn if you want to get in touch for anything you need then. But uh, thanks very much for the feedback. I actually thought that the discussion with Larry last week, that it would sort of, uh, cause even more discussion in the Irish communities abroad. When I was posting the Facebook groups, I was going, Jesus, now I hope things don't go nuts in the comment section, and all the admins will be going mad. But I haven't heard of any of that yet, which is kind of unusual, because usually on my own social media, every time I bring up the subject of the Irish abroad and getting a vote on that kind of thing, people go mad. They either think it's the greatest idea in the world, or they go, who are these idiots abroad? They left the country, they should be allowed to vote. Which is fine, you're entitled to your opinion. But this time around, for some reason, there hasn't been that level of uh, of reaction. You know, I don't know, maybe people are just getting calmer in their old age. Wouldn't be a bad thing on social media if people calmed down just a little bit every now and again. But I did get some lovely feedback from people who are involved in the Voting Rights campaign and people who sort of engaged in this kind of thing. So uh, that's always nice to get. Again, if there is any subject you want to see brought up on this podcast, do get in touch, right? Now, behind the scenes, right, this is a one-man operation, boys and girls, right? I do all this myself. I contact the guests. I talk to the lovely people. I interview them, I put it all together, I write all the social media, everything comes down to me, right? On occasion, on occasion, a lad is going to need a little bit of help, right? So at the moment, uh, I am kind of trying to plan what I'm going to do around the Women's World Cup. Now, one of those things will be, I'll, I'll manage it somehow that I'll talk to somebody from each of the teams that Ireland is facing in the Women's World Cup. So that'll be Australia in the first game, then Canada, and then Nigeria. And I'll get just the lowdown on all that there before we get to Australia. But I'm also trying to get down there as a freelance, Journalist, and between you and me, lads, it's not like Italia 90 or USA 94, right? Uh, Back in the day when Ireland were taking part in a big tournament, that kind of thing, you would get any amount of people or any amount of media organisations who'd be happy to throw money at you to go and cover these things. But unfortunately, it's still the case, despite how good they are and how great they are, and the great achievement of making it to a Women's World Cup, that women's football uh i think the interest is probably the same i think once the uh, you know june and july get here or july sorry july and august get here and the girls start playing there's going to be a huge interest and a huge demand for content and journalism around it right but the problem is that still 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 in the year of 2023 media are not prepared to invest in covering women's football that way. Like, oh yeah no we'll watch the games and The are we will write about it from here right i don't think that's good enough so i'm planning on trying to get down there Uh, to Australia to cover the team. And one of the ways I was considering doing it was with you. So I've been asking around a little bit and feel free to have this discussion among yourselves in Australia, right? I'd love to do a couple of live podcasts from the community down there, right? So I think it's Brisbane, it's a Brisbane Perth and Sydney, that the Irish women are going to be playing in. And just the night before each game, we'll get together, right? Now, that's going to require sponsorship. It's going to require a few Bob because I, I have to get there and I'm going to have to be working for three, I think it's 30 days, of the tournament, that kind of thing, right? And to present the shows and all the technology that goes into it, that kind of thing. But have a word among yourselves. I'll have a word with anybody I know and see if I can get down there and put something on for the community. Now, it might be that we sell tickets for it. It might be that local sponsors come in. It might be one of the companies that sponsors the team comes in. It might be companies who don't sponsor or anything to do with women's football but want to get involved so have a think about it if you have a venue in Brisbane, or if you have one in uh, in Melbourne, or sorry in Sydney, or in Perth, or wherever else for that matter, I'll happily come and talk to anybody wherever they are, as long as they're willing to put on a live podcast, and sure, let's do it, and we'll have a good old excuse to get together, because I firmly believe that these women and I know a good few of them, they're just, they're fantastic footballers, they're great ambassadors, and they really do deserve uh, to have their stories told, and to have Irish people down there supporting them, as I know you will, right? everybody in, in Australia is going to turn out, that's why they had to move the first game from a four. 80,000-seed stadium to uh, 80, 000 seat stadium. But, you listen, that's all in the future. So, you know, to get a dialogue going, get in touch with me, get in touch with anybody you know down there, and sure we'll do our absolute best to see if we can put that in front of people. On to this week's guest, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, last thing, patreon.com forward slash aeromanons.com if you want to support what I do. Uh Five or a month, if you can pay, 60 euro a year, that's brilliant. If enough people do that, I won't have to bother anybody else looking for money. So get in there if you can. Again, now, this time, at long last, on to this week's guest, This week's guest is a man that I got to know professionally in Stockholm, right? So he worked as a journalist, moved into communications, extremely creative guy, extremely pleasant guy, hardworking, sharp, smart, but he's also a fantastic marathon runner, right? Now, Colin O'Callaghan is from Ireland, has lived in Sweden for a long time, uh, has a couple of children in Sweden now incredible runner, right? And you'd know to look at him, you know, he has that sort of runner's look about him, you know. There's a, he's not carrying too much timber and he just, you know, gets out there and gets his miles in and that kind of thing. And it's one of those things that for the life of me, lads, I've never been able to understand it, right? I'm team sports, put somebody in front of me, that's grand, let me do that. I've commentated on extreme sports, like triathlons and swim run. there's a sport in Sweden called swim run where you swim in your running shoes and you run in your wetsuit and it's mad altogether, but more of which and know. But column is just an incredible athlete and I I always wanted to sit down with him and ask him about running, because I do it, as you'll hear in the interview. I do a little bit of running myself to keep fitting that. Never enjoyed it a bit, but, but he really gets it. He absolutely loves it, and he watches races, and he talks about it. It's a huge interest for him. And I just thought that, you know, he might be able to give us all, those of us who are not yet saved by marathon running or by jogging, that he might be able to give us a, a good insight into what it was. So I sat down with him there recently, and boy, Jays did he ever do that now. So I had a fantastic conversation, and I really hope that you enjoy it as much as I did having it. So here he is now, Colm O'Callaghan, talking about running. The running man, column. And I started by asking him how it was he got into the sport to begin with all those years ago.
1: I had two brothers, two older brothers, and they were both good runners. So as, as they were running, particularly the middle brother Cormac was very good. And uh, I just thought sort of, it just it was the natural thing to do to just to start running. And and the same as them, I suppose, I was never particularly fast. Actually, I wasn't particularly good over long distances either, but I was better than the average so-and-so, I suppose. I had some sort, at least I had that kind of fighter ability just to keep at it and keep at it and keep at it. And I, I liked the graft of distance running from a very young age and, and obviously you know with, with the, the interest around and about and that's where it all started yeah.
0: Was that I'm trying to remember exactly when the Dublin Marathon started because I know it started sort of around that time and it was a huge thing for our city at the time it was like oh marathons like all of a sudden you know it's like getting the Olympics at home you know
1: That's right well I guess big city marathons became a, big, a thing probably in the early 70s or late 60s when they decided to before they we used to have big city marathons now globally like in, in particularly Boston and New York and those places but it was always outside of the city and then there was, I think it was New York's one, they decided, now let's go right through the middle of the city. And that just kind of changed everything for marathon running in general. And actually, and it's a big part of the joy of marathons because you go to any of these cities to race these marathons and there's hundreds of thousands of people out Shouting and cheering you on, and they have no idea who you are. They just know that you're in pain, and they're they're willing you're well. And there's
0: something very nice about that, you know. I, I think at least half of them are there to see you, Colin.
1: Of course they are. Of course they're all there to see myself. I, I normally describe it like people when when you know when, when I go into marathons, people say, "Well, where do you normally finish?" And I normally finish just where people are, are like, "Should we go and get a coffee, or should we or should we carry on watching?" It's just around there that I come, you know. <laughs>
0: we'll, we'll wait now, yeah,
1: man. He looks in serious pain. We'll we'll, we'll cheer him. Nah, no, we'll get. Oh, okay share a Body, and then we we'll let him go. That's it's around there where I usually come in, yeah. yeah.
0: And that thing, like, I know in our school, there was a fellow called Colin Fork, and I went to school with who was a very good runner. And they, the our coach at the time was Liam Morgan who went on to do great things in That's right. rugby. And he think you worked with Ken Doherty and all these kinds of different people, and down, of course, in the University of Limerick. And he sort of picked out his, his lads, you know, and you had fellas who were running, and they just went off and did other things. And we never spoke about them because right. we were a Gaelic football and hurling school, more or so, and they were brilliantly successful. And I'm not going to say nobody cared. People people did yeah, yeah. there but they were sort of very much on the side of it was it a big thing in your school then to be you know part of the athletics team
1: so it would have been the same I went to a Christian Brothers uh, secondary school and uh, cross country was a thing uh, but it wasn't I mean GA was bigger uh, you know so particularly football we weren't so good at hurling in that school Clonkeen College was the school but um, but we did have a Good Group of runners, so yeah. when I was going there, yeah, like we won the CBS All Ireland when I was whatever 13 or 14 or whatever, and uh, it was a young fella. And then there was a team on the north side, uh, Ortskull Reach, who were always really that, good. That was us,
0: that was were you Ortskull? That Rich? was Liam Morgan's team, yeah. Ah, right, they were always good,
1: and they were always, and they were the team to beat. And they basically were Clonliffe Harriers running club later on, the same guys, and we were Blackrock Athletic Club and and there was this rivalry but they were decent lads they were nice guys and we used to meet up with them and actually that was a nice thing as well with running like yeah you got to know people from around and about or even from around the country you know i used to meet me uh, used to meet my cousin at some races mm-hmm. out in gowran park like you know and he was from tullamore and we'd you know we meet up and that was something i guess that was nice with running but uh, yeah there was certainly a lot of competition there uh, in the school so, so yeah we did well we did decent but we were we were also on the sidelines compared to them we weren't the big sport didn't really matter, though, I suppose, too much for myself. It was, it's, it was the big thing as well. Growing up, running cross-country races, we did a lot out in the Phoenix Park. And, I mean, you'd have, like, ten people and three sheep, like, looking at you, mm. you know, running a few laps of a park. And then you come over to Sweden and you run, like, midnight Sloppet. And 10,000 people are running this 10K through the centre of town. And there's hundreds of thousands out cheering you on. Like, it's just such, such a different, like, world. I remember the first time I moved to Sweden in 2001 running... Midnight Sloppet in particular just there were so many people out and I was so used to running races where nobody would be there or you do like you know road races down in the County Carlo or whatever should there be just would no, be nobody watching you know, like you know they'd be, be starting to finish did, did, did
0: you think you just robbed something from the local well, post it was,
1: it was just a different level here I'll tell you a story my coach the, the lad who coached me he was the dad of, of, of one of the lads who I ran with Seamus Byrne was his name and he was slagging me for years and years and years about being a bit faster than me over the marathon he kept I, I had ran a 2.31 and he'd run 2.30 and he kept saying oh, you're useless you'll never run faster you'll never run faster than that now you know and then he tells me just a few years ago now he's in his late 70s He tells me, oh, by the way, that 2.30 I ran, I'm not actually sure it was the exact distance. And I'm like, what, Seamus? What do you mean? And he goes, well, it was the national championships, right? So it was the Irish National Marathon Championships. And the lad who was winning was faster than the organisers had expected. And they weren't at the finish line. They were at about 3 k to go. So they gave him the watch (laughs) while he was running. And they said, will you take that and time everybody as they come in? Because we're not going to get to the finish line on time. (laughs) So everybody ran a PB that day, he says. (laughs) You <laughs> all ran personal bests, And it was just like God, well, Come on James After all these years He he basically let on That he probably didn't run The 230 after all And in
0: fact He didn't even break About three hours I'd say Ah no well him? I'd say there was
1: only There was probably only A few minutes in it But still like you know And it just shows you Like the level of You know The organisation, I suppose, back then in in the day, you know, for for running, you know, compared to some of the other sports, you know, but sure, look at it now. I mean, these huge huge races, like you say, the Dublin City Marathon became um, became really big in the early '80s. I don't know when the first one was. I would have said it was probably late '70s, and then by '80 '81, it was it got very big.
0: I just remember coming down Collins Avenue where we lived, and uh, you know, the road like to 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 block off a road or to block off anything Mm -hmm. at that stage is just mad altogether. And people going by, and like you say, I mean, I always find it wild when people go to watch marathons or 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 bicycle races like the Tour de France or whatever because. People pass. By, and it's like, they just zoom by, it, you that's know. It, yeah. And we do, as a, as a club, the Stockholm Gales do the stewarding every year for me and that's up at, and they okay. give us money, you know. Yes, they do, yeah. So yeah. it's like 350 crowns a person. And the, when you get the elite, when they kick off and they go, and they fly by it, yeah, And you yeah. can't even see the number on the vest and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And then they're gone. And then it's, you know, everybody else is following. But, but it is, like you say, there's a, there's a sort of a vibe about it. There's a buzz about it. But when you're in school, you have a reason to do it, right? You go, okay, I'm in, I'm in the team now in inverted yeah. commas. I'm part of this. I'm enjoying it. You're meeting your cousin, and you get day. a
1: half day every Wednesday because used to, a lot of races were on a Wednesday afternoon, exactly. so you got off school. Yeah,
0: we one year we had uh, <coughs> Liam Morgan was our PE teacher, and one year we had PE in a Wednesday. I don't think we had PE all year because Liam was off with the lads, you know, yeah, racing around the country. Yeah. When you leave school, then, Colin, did you? Was it always the case with you? Well, obviously, I'm going to keep running, or did you ever think, well, that's school over, screw that, I don't ever have to do that. So yeah. now,
1: I mean, running is like a drug. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I started running, I guess. Um maybe when I was 11 or so, I, I found out that I was decent enough at going over a longer distances, at least. You know, not so fast. I was not very good at football. You know, I had mm-hmm. poor hand-eye coordination. Don't give me a tennis racket. Like, I wouldn't know what to Th- do with that it. That was the
0: shortest we, conversation yeah. we ever had. Was fancy a yeah. fancy playing down and playing Gaelic football? I was just, no, no, no. I really don't.
1: <laughs> well, no, Gaelic football I liked, actually. I did play Gaelic for the school, and I, I played basketball, so I did a few of those. But, and Gaz was good. Hurling, I'm useless at, like, you know. But I, I loved Gaelic football, to be honest. But yeah. um, I wasn't that good at it, but I really enjoyed it but the running i you know i was able to do and the, the thing is you 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 it becomes a part of your lifestyle like it's yeah. not really a it's not the people don't understand it. Like we shouldn't really congratulate runners. Get an awful lot of kudos for going out running. But to be honest, you shouldn't give them any. They're they're like drug addicts. It's basically like saying to a lad who takes like loads of cocaine. Do you really take that much cocaine on a Sunday morning? God, I couldn't manage that. We're like, well done, good man. Like, I mean, it's the same thing for a runner who goes out and does thirty k on a Sunday, and they get they get loads of congratulations for it. But they love it. Like yeah. you, you just get into it, and you you start running and you get into a rhythm and you're just flowing along. And after a while, you don't even feel like your legs are doing anything. You just feel like you're floating, you know, for Mm -hmm. a couple of hours. And it's lovely. It's a lovely feeling. So, I mean, I got into running when I was, you know, I joined the school cross country team when I was 13, you know, and I was decent enough. And there was a gang of us and sure, one of the lads, Rory, I would have run with him like five days a week from the age of like 14 or 15 up until we were like, you know, 17, until we left school. And then we went into college, then we'd meet up for runs because then it was just a thing. You, you just mm. always ran. So I went to DCU. I went to Close Collins Avenue where you were yeah. where raised then. And I used to always, I used to run there. And it was because it was, you know, it was a 10 mile run. It was perfect, like distance. And, you know, you just, you'd find you always would run. You just, it just becomes a part of your your lifestyle. It just becomes who you are, like, you know, and, and a part of your identity. So it was never difficult to yeah. keep on running. It was much more difficult to stop, to be honest. And, was it? Yeah. And I think also when you see people looking exhausted in marathons, it's because it's harder to pull out than to keep on going. Because mm. you just, you can't, you don't want to do that. Like, you know, you just want to keep
0: on going, even if you're like completely screwed. Yeah. I'm doing this thing at the moment, right? Because, you know, we're a little bit older now. Running was never my thing, but I've realized that it's quite beneficial in terms of aerobic fitness and that kind of thing. So I started a thing last year in the summer of trying to run between three and 5K every day. Brilliant. Yeah. And now I'm like the big, I'm the softest runner you'll ever come across, right? Because (laughs) I go to the the gym and I go to the treadmill. I don't do it outdoors. Okay. I go and I put the music on as loud as possible and I do it and I suffer through it, right? This joy that you're talking about. (laughs) These and I have yet to meet them, Colin. right? (laughs) Right. What am I doing wrong?
1: No, and you're, and you're right. And it is, I suppose it's like, you know, uh, smoking cigarettes. They're not very nice the first 20 or so, and then they start feeling quite good. I think it's the same with, uh, <laughs> here I'm making all these drugs metaphors to running. I don't know why, but anyway, um, running's the same thing. You know, you, you you do get into it. Now the trick is, and actually we are a bit older and you have to be a bit more careful because mm. so the build up the body can't take the load like in the same way. So you have to sort of build it up gradually. Yeah. It'd be about increasing the amount, like 10% per week. You know, yeah. so if you're doing three to 5K three times a week, you know, you try to up a. four to six and then go up to seven and then Mm -hmm. try to go four days a week and then you'll start feeling a bit of an effect like if you're able to go out four days or even five days a week and then suddenly you know it becomes a part of who you are type of thing Um, Mm. but yeah I mean I guess you have to but yeah, there is a build up you have to the body has to be able to sort of manage it and become you know get used to that and all the rest Mm. and and then you get into you get into a flow now look at there's loads of people Do it in other sports as well Like I hear cyclists Talking about the same thing Or swimmers as well This this feeling I think swimming I, I, I do swim Because I get injured all the time now Because I'm an old geezer But um, Like swimmers Will tell me that Donna oh, no, you get to this lovely flow But in a pool for me That's pretty It's pretty dull Going back and forth And back and forth But I, I hear that other people You know They get into yeah. a rhythm My mother She's an artist right I was talking to her Just I was in Ireland Just last week And uh, She's saying, you know what you're describing with running, I get when I'm painting. Yeah. You know, you're, you're just basically, everything else in the world is shut off and you're just in the present Doing what you're doing And there's nothing else Like is relevant anymore You're just there And I think with running You know I Yeah I certainly get into That trans like state Pity you haven't got to that Because it's a wonderful feeling But I mean yeah I'd say like, like Keep at it And I'd say also Run outdoors I don't get that Running on treadmills at all I find it really dull And uh, tedious on treadmills Well I used yeah. to think
0: That like mm. Am I a hamster You know And then yeah. I just realised How comfortable it was Right because it doesn't matter What the weather is like It's yeah. always like 23 degrees In the, gi- yeah. the gym Nobody else uses the machine Right yeah. And it's actually d- To the extent I wear I obviously have the, the martial arts gym, and then I have this fitness 24/7 because we've no water in the summer house, right? And but there's a, a gym about six kilometers away, so you can go there and shower. And yeah. I thought, this is very clear. And then I fell into this. The only time I ever felt what you're talking about was probably yeah. about 15 years ago in the uh, I think it was Hesselby Loppet. Oh, yeah, I, and it finished up, and so I couldn't even tell you where it finished up. But you come in, you do a round, yeah, actually, I know it, I've run so it a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, the cinder track there, the yeah, that's right, yeah, got an amazing buzz when I came into the stadium right. there, and that yeah. was like. Oh Jesus yeah Now, we now I've never discovered yeah. that I'd never get that on the treadmill I I'd never get that on okay. my own again But running in there going Holy smokes I can 10 kilometres like 50 minutes, you'd laugh at me crossing the line at that yeah, speed. Yeah,
1: yeah, but like, still, you got there's a big crowd out at Heselby-Lopith and you're coming into the track and I guess people are cheering, there's noise and yeah. it's like, yeah, you're going to do... I think there's, a, there's also that sense of achievement, I think, as well, you know, yeah, in covering wanna, it.
0: Like, you know, because yeah. I always figured that, you know, solo sports weren't really my thing, you know, like you always want to be doing something with somebody else or, or in a team yeah. or that kind of thing. And that was the first time I felt... How do you deal with... Now, the difference between you and me, right, is if we run a marathon, I'm going to be out there an awful lot longer than you, right? Do you ever have time on the the course to feel... I'm tired to feel pain in your, in your knees. Your <laughs> yeah. How do you deal yeah. with that? Then? How do you yeah, get yeah. over it? Without wrecking yourself?
1: For sure. Well, yeah. First, I think the, the whole the team aspect thing I would say is the big disadvantage with running for sure because you you, you yeah. kind of miss that. Um, you can run in a club and you can do team events, but it's not the same as like a like a football match. So I think yeah, that's certainly the the, the downside of it. But the upside is this, you know, you it's just great for the body, and it's also mm. your, if you go wrong, it's your fault. You know, it's it's all on you. And the time is the time. It's incredibly definite. Like, you know, if you've run, whatever time you've run, you've run. Like, there's no excuses. There's nowhere to hide. When it comes to the pain, I mean, you kind of have to embrace it. It, It's a part of the whole sport, I would say, is based on handling pain. That's really all it's about. Mm. And that's part of the interesting because it's a mental game. So I would say um, it's very sore. I mean, the last part of a marathon for everybody, for the world's Mm. best. I mean, sometimes they look like they're going easy. They're not. Like, they're Mm. absolutely screwed. Um... I mean, I remember watching, I was watching a world championships, there was some guy and he was struggling, he was winning it, and he looks at the camera, and then he just pukes up right in front of the camera, like almost on the camera, and carries on running, and he's like, this guy wasn't going to stop, you know, yeah. and he was still motoring along at like three minutes a kilometre, like he was belting along, it. but uh, or faster I suppose, you know, whatever those guys are at the, these days, but um, no, so it's always pain, but you just have to recognise that it's pain. there's pain, so the, the psychologists, and there's loads of books on this as well, um, Tell something
0: tells me you've read most of I've them, read a well. few
1: I've read a few. Well, there's two ways of looking at it. There's called association and disassociation. So, mm-hmm. like putting on the music is disassociation. I'm trying to distract myself from the pain of the running. Mm-hmm. And the other, which is what a lot of the elites do, is they associate themselves with all the pain that's happening. Okay, I'm feeling something in my right quadriceps. Like, oh, that's quite painful. Okay, that just means that the muscle's tearing down, you know, yeah, right now, but that'll be fine for the next, you know, I just deal with that pain, you know, that that's fine. Okay, you know, the heart is feeling like this. So, you're you're, you're very acutely aware of how your body is and how you're reacting to it and then you're adapting your speed to mm-hmm. that so when you're racing marathons you know and, and people, again you know when you look at a marathon it's a it's fairly boring looking thing you know for, for a lot of people to be watching on TV but when you're racing those uh, and even actually what I, I find them interesting to look at because you know what's sort of going on in the race but when you're racing those you're thinking all the time about your body how it's feeling how it's reacting is the pace right can you manage this pace for the 42k what are the people around you doing you know are there people you can run with you've got crowd support like you're taking in quite a lot and then you're measuring your tempo all the time like are you on track or are you going too fast or too slow because if you go out a bit too fast on the marathon you'd really get punished like exponentially like mm. you know over the last 10k and, it, and it's happened like you know it's, it's happened as well <laughs> You all. were that soldier Yeah I was that soldier and I've had the opposite I've had the opposite where I've gone out a little bit too conservative and I've had a, like a second half you know a negative split where the second half is faster than the first That's great like because you're just picking mm. off people all the way along you know but if you hit it right you should be completely, you shouldn't really. Actually, it was, it was that Seamus, that same coach I had. <coughs> he told me when I was a kid, when I was 14, I ran a cross country race, and he asked me afterwards what I thought. And I said, I ah, know, I enjoyed that. And he said, What do you mean you enjoyed it? <laughs> How dare you he says, he says what And he says you shouldn't enjoy that You should need hospital attention When you get across the finish line You should need to be wheeled away And then you've had a good race And only then have you had a good race And it was just like it dawned on me Like it's a, To be honest I mean I know it sounds funny But it was sort of a revelation Like oh right Like we can go a whole other level of pain here Like right. you, know, you really need to push yourself much much more And that's what the whole sport is about the Christian Brothers or some
0: boys—they squeeze the fucking joy out of anything. They, they, they? Well, yeah, no, he was the, he was
1: in the run, running club. He was the mate. He was the Daz. Uh, yeah, he was the Dav. One of the lads I ran with. But also, I mean, I remember I ran in Amsterdam, two thousand and eight, around the marathon there, and I got to the finish line. I, I got some flowers from somebody because I was third in the over thirty-five category, yeah. and. uh I remember the flowers felt heavy, like I couldn't really hold them, and I was just like, "God, they're very heavy." Like there was just a bunch of flowers, yeah. And I was, but I just, I was just so exhausted. And about a hundred meters later, some, you know, uh, someone, uh, a marshal who was working there said, "I'll give you a couple of bottles if you want for those flowers." And I was just, "Oh yeah!" Like, like straight away, like I can't hold those, so I just drank the, yeah. the, sports drink. You know, you're just completely floored. Like I couldn't speak for probably twenty minutes or whatever. Just, just absolutely out of it. But that was one of those runs where that old coach of mine, Seamus, would have been happy because I was completely screwed. I don't think I could have run faster... And and yet, it, I like I timed it well, like you know, so that like it, it, it was a decent time. So everything went like right, you know. Uh, doesn't yeah. happen too often. Yeah.
0: You mentioned that race there in Amsterdam, right? I remember we had a conversation a few years ago where you had turned up to a race, and all of a sudden it turned out that uh, all the people you sort of expected to be there weren't there, and it ended up. Going, was that in Germany somewhere? Was it?
1: Right, no, well, yeah, no, I did run one in Cologne, and I uh, actually it's it's the first time I've ever felt like what it must be what it must feel like to be like a really fast runner, right? Because the berlin was the week before or two weeks before that and that's where all the best the world, like that is the world's fastest marathon. It has the world record mm. and, and all they, they pay, London and Berlin, New York, they pay for the big runners to go there and it's jammed. I remember trying to get into Berlin seeing did I have a fast enough time and they like sort of like laughed in my face. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, bah, you know, like and I was a decent enough runner but I wasn't that decent. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Because um, they had to be under 220 to have an automatic spot and I wasn't anywhere close. I was like 231, you know? Yeah. But then I went to Cologne which was a week after and then I'm on the starting line. It was a weird old thing because normally I'd finish like 30th or... 30th to 100th like you know in the big in the big city you know marathons but i'm running this race and i'm realizing early on that i'm in about 20th you know or mm. already after like 10k and so carrying on i'm running away and it was a hot day and it was a windy day and people were dropping out that i wasn't aware of and my wife was there as well and at somewhere around 30k she shouts to me in swedish that i was in 6th but i heard 16th right because uh, i couldn't hey you're exhausted and you can't you know yeah, register yeah. things anyway um, I'm a Swedish, wasn't exactly like, you know, spot on, like 30K into a marathon, you know. So I'm thinking, oh God, 16, that's decent, like, looking position. Cause I wasn't having a great race myself. That's a decent position. And then I was thinking, these Germans really like their marathons. Cause like they were really cheering me on, like, from everywhere. And we were just sort of wondering, this is kind of odd. And then there was a cyclist comes up beside me. He's working at the race, like, yeah. and he's and he's clearing now the road for me. He's cycling in front of me because it's this road that's been shut off and there's just, Hundreds of people back and forth. And he's basically clearing the road. You know, like you see on the top of the Tour de France, those big mountain stages, and they're all screaming on either side of you. Well, it it was that experience for like a kilometre or two. These people were like shouting at me, just left and right, just a few inches of either side of me, and this cyclist in front clearing the way. And I was thinking... God, these Germans loved their marathon for some schmuck coming in in 16th. Like, I don't know what's going on. And then they get across this bridge towards the end. And there's this lad, he's dressed up. I still. It's such a vivid memory. He's dressed up as a devil with this huge stick. And he's jumping in the air and shouting and screaming at me. And I'm thinking, my God, like, this is unusual. Like down, you know, pal. <laughs> you guys, you Germans, like, you're a bit odd. Like And there was high fives and there was loads of photographers coming across the line. I was sixth right in the race. And and I just didn't realise it And and I think the first six Was kind of a a deal for them You know, that was the one That went into the results And all the rest But I hadn't I couldn't understand it at all And then I go around After I finished To pick up the medal And I think the first five Were taken away Maybe it's for testing Or for whatever it was But I was must have been the first person to come around to receive the medal because all the yeah. all the marshals are there and they're all applauding and like there was this like I was I was like getting this guard of honor and I just like I was just totally stunned but it was weird I, I guess that that's must be what it feels like if you're if you are one of those fast guys like you know just a, you get this real VIP treatment you know so it was lovely it was a real eco boost but yeah. I mean all the fast guys had run the week before like you know so it, it just turns out that yeah he just ended up yeah he ended up you know quite a way up in a in a big city race so it was yeah, yeah it was a, f- a fun. Feeling Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. You're just crushingly modest mm-hmm. about yeah, that. Yeah. Jesus, I think if yeah, that was anybody, right. and you mentioned, i oh, it's come in somewhere between 13th and 100 in the biggest city marathons in the world, kind of thing, you know?
1: Yeah, but there's lots of people. I mean, as I said, so my best was 2:31, right, for the marathon, yeah. and then that's, uh, you know, and that's like that's decent, but it's not like to, if you wanted to run in the World Championships or the Olympics, you need to be under 2:15, and and that, that there's a huge gulf there, right? Is, yeah. is it
0: so hard to knock another 15 minutes off? Oh, of it is.
1: It is it? Yeah, I mean, look, at, it's I I spent to be honest. Like the 231 is a failure, really. I tried to get under 230 for ages. Mm. So it's effectively, I mean, like just to, I needed to take two seconds per kilometer off every kilometer in the marathon to get under 230. And I tried and I tried and I tried and I never did. Like, you know, now I'm sure with these new shoes that exist, you know, maybe I'd have done it, or mm. if all the conditions were perfect on the day, or if I hadn't, you know, if I was, you know, if everything was well, yeah, maybe I'd have got under. But like not much faster. You know what I mean? And yeah. and then to to like if you if I was to try to get down to like two twenty-five. I'd have probably have to double my mileage. Like I was running about 100 kilometers a week. You'd probably have to go to like up to 200 kilometers a week. You'd have to be going out two to three times a day. Like for me, I would have anyway, you know, just to build up that load. Yeah. And uh, so it's, it's a lot. But even, you know, and, and there was plenty though around and about me who were running 150K a week. Like they were doing a big mileage. Like I mm. used to think I was a bit slack. Like I was a bit lazy, like, you mm. know, not doing enough. So it's, I don't know, it's a lot. And then you have to have that, just that natural talent. And, and I mean, those, ve- the really fast guys, like, you know, the, I mean, like 2.15 is one level, but the world record's down at 2.01. Like, I mean, that's a a half an hour ahead. I mean... Kipchoge, he must be like he must be looking at me when at my best, thinking how could you be that slow? He yeah. must be thinking like, could you? Can anyone
0: actually have be? You, have your bricks on like, your feet? How,
1: I mean, what do you like? What your your best is like my Sunday run, like you know before I go and get milk from the shops. Like it's like like what do you mean? Like you know, cause, so those guys, they're just a whole other level. And yeah, uh, you know, I mean, they, you know, and the thing is, they make it look easy because I think it is easy. I remember I was running on the Kura years back, and I ran by two lads, and they were really struggling. and I was having a you know I was running easily and I heard one say God he makes it look easy and I was thinking actually this is easy right now like you know for myself so I think those fast Kenyans you know when they look like they're just floating along I think they are they're just I think it is easy and I'd say it must feel great to be able to run that fast for two hours because it's a you know it's just it must, it must, it must be a
0: wonderful feeling for those yeah, guys yeah. when you know what it takes just to do the 42k at all and then you see these guys yeah. flying in just over two hours yeah. how, how technical a sport is it right so yeah. I, I noticed something weird now you're going to again you're just going to laugh at my yeah. idiocy here Right. I was on the, the treadmill a few months ago right and I noticed that if I sort of rolled my foot a little bit I felt that I was running slower but I was actually going at the same play, pace okay. as just putting my feet up and down Kind of thing, you know, like Donald Duck, you yeah. know, and that was a revelation. Of and I don't do it all the time, but when I need a little break now, I sort of roll that. And I've seen these yeah. shoes now which have the same sort of a thing, you know,
1: yeah, those new shoes are uh, so there's a, like controversy around those, you know, yeah. because people are running about two percent faster with these new shoes with that have a carbon f- plate inside them and that, that that helps you shoot off, you know, on each, yeah. on each step. Um, there is there is a lot of theory around like where the foot should land and how to land it. I worked in this company Urban Tribes here in Stockholm. We sold running coaches to companies and you know, we did these uh, like technique training. I'll be honest now, for me, the big thing is not to worry too much about the technique. The big thing is just to get out and run and and it's the volume. It's just do miles and miles and miles. And if yeah. you can build up your body to do loads of miles, the technique will look after itself. Mm. Your body will force itself into running in the most efficient way. Mm. But there's definitely a uh, running efficiency. Like there's definitely a, a more efficient way to run for sure. And I think it, it tends to, you tend to naturally fall into it if you run a lot. Mm. But otherwise, yeah, I mean, you're, you should be leaning forward at about a seven-degree angle. Um, mm. There's theories as to whether your heel or your forefoot should land first. Mm. The very fastest ones, it's usually they land on their forefoot, and uh, and it just keeps propelling them forward, so that mm. they're not losing any kind of um, like the not the friction or of, of landing on your uh, heel you know is, is sort of is is almost like a break if yeah. you can if you can keep on moving forward then yeah you'll get more momentum uh, you know keeping the arms close to the body 90 degree angle with the elbows all those sort of things and then yeah. it, and just trying to keep yourself relaxed um yeah. is the thing so there there are things like that my brother who i mentioned there at the start he was a very very good runner uh, until he found cigarettes and girls um he was really well, yeah, exactly <laughs> He used to jump in the air. He was always in the air, and they'd be saying to him, "Like you look like a ballet dancer. Will you just like you know, be, yeah. just stay closer to the ground, you know?" But he, that was his natural way of running. But look at he still he still did brilliantly. And then you look at the best in the world, John Tracy, right? You know, mm. second in the Olympics in '84, yeah. and uh, and you watched him run cross country, and he he always looked like he was going dead slow and he was winning. You know what I mean? And everybody else behind him looked like they were going fast, but they were all way behind him. Like, you know, he just had this, he was very close to the ground and he looked like he was just slogging along. He didn't look fast and it looked awkward, I always thought, his running style, but he was incredibly efficient, like an amazing runner, you know? There was a Kenyan, John and Googie. He was all over the place, I remember, and he won the World Cross five times, you know, so I mean, you know, you don't. I wouldn't read too much into technique. It's better to just get out and run, and yeah. just keep running, and, and and you know, build up your body's ability to keep running and, and get up the mileage, and then the, the technique will tend to look after itself. That would be my rule of thumb. I know, though, also for a fact that Mo Farah, Galen Rupp, that crowd up in um, in up Oregon, up, there yeah. up in, in in North America. They're, uh, they spend a lot of time on technique and uh, mm. getting exactly the right, you know, stri- strike. you know But I mean, they're also, you know, breaking world records and winning Olympic goals and stuff like that, you know. So, but yeah, they, they certainly, there's stuff you can do to make yourself yeah. more efficient. They
0: also have nothing better to do with themselves because they're professional athletes and That's we're not going to do doing. You know?
1: That is all they're doing. But you can, I mean, you can go to running coaches and who can look at and will film you. And actually, if you do that, you can see... Okay, yeah, actually, maybe you know. Sometimes it's you know your left arm is just you know flailing or whatever yeah, it is, yeah. or you know you're, you're too much in the air, and you can you can just learn a few things. Running up hills can be a thing for some people, like uh you know you, you need to get the hips up and stuff like that, and, mm. and you know and, and raise the knees a little bit more, you know, and certain you know, so you can absolutely improve things. And then there's an argument to say that you're less likely to get injured if you have a better running technique. Yeah, you know? but uh, so so it's worth looking at, I suppose. Yeah, if you're into, if you're into doing it, but for yourself, I'd say get out of the gym at least once a week and try to run outside and yeah. just do a 5K go to a, like a you know hog a parking or another park or whatever or somewhere where you're nearby you know um, mm. and, and run in the fresh air because I think it's a nicer feeling Yeah, and uh, and just sort of yeah enjoy the nature that's around you and then maybe try to let that distract you from the um,
0: from, from the pain, from the pain. <laughs> <laughs> and When it comes to the technology you mentioned the shoes uh, carbon fibre plates that kind of thing it's always when you go into Stadium or XXL Sport here right and I mean, you could pay a phenomenal amount of money. But how important is it to have, you know, the right shoes for you? Are all our feet different or can you buy something off the shelf without having to have a 20 minute conversation with some guy who may or may not know what he's talking about about these yeah, things?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, at it also depends on how much you're running. If you're going to do a lot of mileage, mm-hmm. then yeah, you should you should look at getting the right shoe for you because some people, um, it's, it's the way your foot lands, right? There's mm-hmm. something called pronation and something called supination. So do you land on the outside of the foot and roll in or are you land more on the inside and rolling out for example or you know or, or where mm. in the foot are you, are you landing because you can get you can get shoes then that sort of counteract that or make it easier for you because if you pronate a lot over mm. pronation they call it you can get you know shin splints and other sorts of injuries mm. so if you can get a shoe that that resolves that then you're likely to stay injury free but that tends to be and then there's also shoes that are good for people who are heavier and there's ones mm. that are good for people who want to do high mileage you know so uh, I've run with Asics an awful lot you know so they had a pair of Cayanos which were for high mileage and kind of heavy set people, but you found that loads of people were using them, but they were bloody expensive. I mean, they were really mm. expensive, so I never used those. Um, I used another <laughs> pair called, uh, they were 2100, I think they were, and I was, uh, you know, I pronated a bit. So yeah, and then you can get ones that are more cushions and more stability and all the rest. The new ones now with the carbon plate, I haven't run in them at all, but they're even more expensive. Mm. But the thing is, when you're hooked, right, on running and, and breaking times, you'll do anything to 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 get a bit faster. So if these shoes are okay and they're like permitted... And you know you're gonna run like I definitely have run one in them um Back in the day, like because yeah. if that would have been you know if that was a two percent difference that would have got me under the two thirty, like mm. I'd have been you know happy days, you know.
0: Uh, Do you mind me asking what your last pair of running shoes cost, or is that not for public consumption? No, no, it's, I, <laughs> I
1: haven't. So I used to order them all from the UK because before Brexit, and then I'd get them for like you know fifty sixty pounds. That's all, yeah, yeah, that's all. Because here that same shoe is 1500, 1600 Swedish kroner. Yeah. Um but the, yeah, that's what you're kind of looking at. You're looking at about fifteen hundred kroner. It looks it looks like that if you're going into the shops mm. here today. For a decent pair of shoes, but I mean, yeah, you should be able to get some for maybe a thousand, I suppose. But um, but I see the really good ones, you know, they're up at mm. like two thousand and two thousand five hundred now. You know those ones, with, and the ones with the carbon plate are are really really pricey. Wow. So it's, I'd, I'd only, you know, I mean, only if you're if you're chasing times and if if you're chasing minutes, then sure, you know, I mean, and you know, go all in. Mm. I mean people who cycle God they'll spend 100,000 kroner on a bike Oh you know Dave I mean? the worst yeah. God
0: it. Leave Ginnon If you're listening Holy Jesus I don't know <laughs> what you spent on that
1: bike But it's ridiculous <laughs> Oh it's nuts yeah, I have a yeah. as well he cycles a lot And you kind of wonder So I mean so It's a small It's not that expensive a sport But they've, they've commercialised The sport definitely I mean and, you yeah. know, when I grew up There was you just ran in your shorts And your t-shirt And that was that There, were, there was hardly a tracksuit Like mm. you know And now you've got like Lycra tights for everything And you've got you know All sorts of different kinds of layers And, and
0: it's all so light You know I remember buying the stuff Specifically yeah. for running. I go, oh, yeah. holy yeah. jesus You didn't even know you had it In your hand That's kind it. of thing you know? yeah, yeah
1: and even sure Like wearing it You feel, you feel like you're naked a lot. I mean, You know but it's just A singlet and the shorts these days They're so so light But mm. Again, you know, if you're chasing times and you want to get faster, that's lovely. You know, that's great. You want to yeah. have it as comfortable as possible. And also, if you're racing marathons, you know, you can get chafing, like you can get, uh, you can get, yeah. you can be bleeding under your, you know, yeah, the, the old nipples and get a right kicking, don't they? Nipples do, unless you look after them. Yeah, you need to put tape over those, like, or, or Vaseline yeah. or something before you start. If you put yeah. Vaseline, though, it'll make your uh, singlet a bit <laughs> manky after a while. Like look you know. a little bit messy,
0: yeah. Yeah, it does, yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think <laughs> I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> I'm presuming you run in the winter as well. You don't care about the season.
1: No. No I don't care about the season uh, You can run all year Yeah there's not a problem The tricky time Is when the snow Is beginning to melt So for us now Living in, in Scandinavia, in, in Ireland it was easy It was just mm. rain Like you know and mud So you just carried on running It was no bother Here it is a bit trickier If it's below minus 20 I usually had that as the, Sort of the cut off That I wouldn't go outdoors I, I'd go to a treadmill But I hated running on treadmills To be honest yeah. So I, I almost never do I do lo- lo- love running outside So I'll um, Even in minus 20 yeah, well, minus twenty, as I said, th- that would be the cutoff. Like you know, but minus ten would be grand. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like you know, but you run a bit slower. I wouldn't do any fast work, like the interval sessions, or if you were going to do. It depends on how you're running. If you're just out for a run, that's fine. But if you were going to do like some sort of a, like a quality session that they call it, you know, if you mm. wanted to do, I don't know, ten by one kilometer, and you do each kilometer really hard, like probably wouldn't do that in minus ten or fifteen, just because it's, it's is a really strenuous session, mm. and you're already get the cold weather and the, and the cold air going into your lungs, and you have to the body has to work to heat that up. Yeah, yeah. So you don't want to. Like strain yourself too much So light runs in, in the cold weather No bother Yeah absolutely And I, the snow is fine to run on Like there's a good grip with snow Like there's no bother with that at all So it, it's not difficult to run on, on snow It's only compact snow that starts melting And it's all ice And even then You can get studs and, and screw them into the bottom of your running shoes Or you can buy those ice bug shoes You know that have yeah. studs in them and uh, so you can even run on ice as well If you want to But um, I would avoid the ice Like I'd say like For this time of year now When we're recording this podcast right now There's a bit of snow outside mm. And it's a bit um, You know It could get icy now Later in the week You know So it, like I'd avoid the forests And stuff for the time being And just run on the roads You know Where there's, they have put some gravel down And stuff like that But yeah You can absolutely You can run all year round There's no There's, not, there's nothing that really stops you I mean wear a hat and gloves You know I mean
0: <laughs> so it's only, there's no such thing as well, bad weather, there's only bad well, there clothes. There you go, there you go. <laughs> how much time, how do you find time? You have an extremely successful company in a similar business to me in communications, yeah. right? You have a family. And then you run like a million kilometres a week as well. How do you find time for all these days? Are you one of these up at five o'clock, fellas? You? No,
1: but so I don't run a million kilometres a week anymore. I'm, a, I'm an old geezer now. Um, I, I just, I get injured all the time. And honestly, I, I seem to pull a muscle, even if I just, if I look at athletics on the TV, I tend to pull a muscle. Like, <laughs> oh, like oh, my, oh my God, my hamstring. God. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> so that I do, I've noticed it. I guess it's from all the years of running. But no, I'll run, um, I try to run every second day. That's all I do now. Yeah. Um, and I, But I get it, here's the thing. So back in the day, when I, we, when the kids were young, um, I'd run to work and I'd run home from work. So, and that was the, and I'd, I'd do a session on the way home from work. So like if work was 10 miles away, so that's grand. I'd, I'd do the first two or three easy and then I'd, you know, do your hard mile, you know, six by one mile or whatever, you know, hard mm. and then jog for two minutes. By the time I got home, I'd done a, a quality session, have a shower and I've lost nothing like, because, you know, mm. your transport time would have been an hour anyway. Like yeah, kind of yeah. Thing. So, I'd, I'd lost almost nothing on that No, I wouldn't be getting up at Or f- I would on, on Fridays I used to get up maybe at five And run maybe 30k k. it was in there sorry. somewhere yeah, I knew, yeah, there was There was My wife would sometimes wonder I remember the house across the road Burnt down once Or it was on fire And it woke me up So I thought, actually oh, sure, I might as well go out for a run <laughs> <laughs> And then I said to my wife Look, I'll, I'm going to go for a long run And then um, an hour and a half She didn't realise I was going to be out for I was out for about 35, 36k that day That morning and she didn't realise I'd be out that long. And so she's, she goes down to the fireman after about an hour and a half and says, my husband, he's not back. He went out for a run. I don't know where he is. And then she rings work and work starts ringing all the hospitals. And like, and it was just, I was just out for a run, Lance. Which is alone. I had a lovely run. But so, do, do you not take uh, your phone with you when you go running there? Uh, no, I wouldn't. Well, now I do, but I used to. No, yeah. absolutely not. No, that was the whole point of it as well. No phone, nothing, just run. And then I can't be reached I loved that. I mean, that's great. It's yeah. just you on your own in the forest out running and the rest of the world can forget it. Like all that digital stuff where we're always looking at emails and stuff. And yeah. No, nothing. That's one of the big pluses, I think, with running. And that's like the meditative part of it as well. You're, you're just, it's just you on your own with yeah. your thoughts. Like, I mean, it's lovely. I never used uh, headphones or anything like that either. It was just, no. just nature. Like, you know, just go out and run. And that's I always thought that was lovely, you know, absolutely. Yeah. And then you, you feel great, you know, when you come back, you know. So no, avoided that.
0: But you are a very creative person. You work in a creative industry. You're yeah. forever looking for, you know, new ways and better ways to tell yeah. old stories really yeah. in business, right? And I I was on the treadmill the other day and an idea struck me for a little film that we could do to promote the the uh, martial arts club. Yeah. And so do you ever get that? Because when you don't have a phone, you've no way to yeah. note it or anything else like that. Does that happen to you when you're out yeah. running? Yeah,
1: all the time. And I think I think I think it's the big thing. And I actually there's studies on that as well, you know, that's Is there, Yeah. yeah uh, because uh, and actually I think it's once even if you're walking I believe for 6 minutes there's chemical changes in the brain, wow. like so. So, so running and does that obviously as well. Like so, once you get into that kind of rhythm or whatever, it's it's incredibly positive for the body and also. But, it, but uh, what I find is that you feel like your head is completely cleared, right? Mm. There's, there's, it's like there's nothing going on at all. That's <laughs> where head all over. Well, there you go. That's, that's all day long, really. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but that's when the idea pops in exactly. And the yeah. best ideas often came on runs. I've often exactly when you're trying to crack like that headline or you've mm. got a creative concept that you're going to sell into a client and you're thinking, now we need something more and it's you're out on the run and it's like
2: yeah that's, that's it. it that's
1: yeah. it and then you yeah no so and I don't write it down but you just have to remember it don't you and then yeah. um write it down as soon as you get back and then of course then you can t- kind of test it again because you know it's it's the same if you're having a dream or you're, you're sleeping overnight or you wake up and you suddenly think oh like that that's mm. it do i do i make a note of that or not and then maybe you've forgotten it but also you're kind of can stress test it a day or two later was that idea does that work like you know but yeah. often oftentimes it is that's when the best the most creative ideas come i think as well i found out out for runs or if you're very stressed if you've had you've had a nasty old day like and you go out for a run, you come back and actually you realise it's not so bad after Wrong. all. Like, you know, it's like a good sleep, you know what I mean, um, a run in, in that sense. You just
0: get away from absolutely everything when you're doing this you kind do. of thing. Yeah,
1: you, know? you do. And you can't be reached. And mm. uh, now, now, I had a problem with my heart a few years ago, so I do have the phone with me just in case. <laughs> Glad <to hear>. God <laughs> it wasn't a big... Well it, well, it was of course, it was a big deal, but um, it was in and out. They, I, It was... Uh, too much electrical activity in a in one of the chambers. Okay. And, uh, I discovered it when I was out for a run. I just I felt like I was getting really tired really quickly. And then uh, I go and do a few tests. And he says, oh, no, your heart's great. You're, you're grand. Like, and then I still kept getting it. And then I went to another guy. And he said, well, look, we'll put a test. We'll put you on an exercise bike and then test your heart rate. Yeah. And when I went to about 140, it then shot up to about 230. Well. Which it shouldn't, you know. And if it goes like that for 230 for 10 or 15 minutes, well, that's the end of you. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? So, um I'm doing this test and they stop it halfway through. Going, you know what? We're going to stop it now. And they are go,ing Oh, really? Like, why? Why is, it, why is that? Uh,
0: well, you might hang die. On a second, <laughs> hang
1: on a second, and then they're, they're all so cool about it. And they said, you know, you should maybe speak to a cardiologist uh, today. And yes. I was just like, today? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll see if there's one around. And there wasn't one around. And they're like, Where's your closest day and e? Like, you know, your maximum emergency. And I said, like, hang on, like, you know, I just go and see. And then I go to them, and then they say, Do you think you could stay overnight? And I'm like, Like, what's the story? And they yeah. were worried exactly that I was going to pop my clogs at any time. But it was, just, um, it was just a random thing. They said, basically, you should be 10 years old or overweight and smoking a lot of cigarettes like, you know, to, to have what, you're, what you have. Yeah. So it was an odd thing. But they, they just basically, what they did was they could go into the heart without opening it up. They, they went in through the, the groin, yeah. they sent in these cables up. They burnt away a couple of electrical receptors in one of the chambers that were basically misfiring and out again. I'm home the same day. My kids didn't even know I was in hospital. They've operated on my heart. Like, you know what I mean? They've got in and they were so professional. They were brilliant. They were world class. It was Karolinska. I mean, they really were amazing. Um, And yeah, it was just sort of done. And then uh, after that, they were more worried about the groin. Uh, I don't carry any heavy stuff now because of the bleeding, you know, that might happen. Like you know, but like no, your heart's grand. Like you'll be, you'll be all right. But I had to go back and do a test a few months later, and they said, yeah, you can run as many marathons as you like
0: now. Yeah, fine.
1: But to be honest, after that, I kind of thought, ah, you know what? (laughs) Maybe I won't run
0: so many marathons. Let's take a handy for a (laughs) little (laughs) while now. Take it a bit easy
1: for a bit. But I did. I went off and did a did an ultra run with some mates during COVID, and we did a long like eighty something kilometer run. And so, but it's it's fine. So the heart's grand. But anyway, (laughs) can they can they reach
0: our brains? Your grind now after that <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway since then I run with a
0: mobile that's a long that's an awful long convoluted way of explaining well that it's, it's yeah, a it's yeah, a fairly uh, full standing a fairly a comprehensive yeah, yeah. explanation of the yeah. whole thing I couldn't find the English word there yeah. finally and thank you so much Colin for taking the time to explain all this to me if somebody wants to start running because I'd imagine as somebody that I know you as a runner yeah. uh, do you get this question all the time what's the easiest way to get into it is it just go and get a pair of shoes and run and th- does it matter if you only make 200 metres 300 metres 500
1: metres yeah and I think that's it's. it's a a great question and to be honest it's a big thing for me because I love running and, I, and I'm not interested really in the, in the really fast guys because they're always going to run it's the people who haven't run and they don't know what to do Um, yeah get a pair of running shoes of any kind and get out and walk right go out for a nice walk and do a long walk like 5k or 10k or whatever walk for a long time and then after a while, put in a bit of running into that. That's what I'd say. Like, so don't feel like you need to go out and suddenly run five k or run ten k. Because if you've never run before, that's that's really tough. It's a long way, yeah. and it's tough, and it's not. It's you're, but you'll potentially get injured if you if you just start off like that. So start off with a walk jog type thing. You know, jog hundred meters and then walk, and then jog another hundred meters. And then as that goes on, you know, build it up to 200 metres. And then after a while, you know, you'll, you'll join all the dots and maybe you can run 500 metres and then a kilometre in the middle of your walk, you know, and do it nice and slow and easy and at your pace. I'd really recommend, I'm involved in this as well, so it's a bit of a bias and push, but go to Parkrun. Parkrun is a free 5K event that happens every Saturday morning in about, it's about 15 places in Sweden now, mm. over 2,000 around the world. It's, wow. a, it's the biggest running event in the world, in fact. So that you've got, I think, 200,000 people every Saturday morning turn up at a parkrun. And not that many of them are fast runners. Loads of them are walkers. Mm. Uh, and we'd love to see more people just walking it and then maybe walking and jogging and trying to break their time. There's a lad in my local one in Hooding, uh, you know, his best was 54 minutes for the 5K and he got himself down to 47 minutes. Mm. And, you know, that's brilliant. And he was delighted, obviously, with that, you know, and, and to see that. And it's. That's just as important. I think for anybody who runs, like that's just as important as the, the fast guy who breaks the world record is the, the guy who has never run before, who started getting walking and started doing a bit of jogging, is losing weight, is feeling better. Mm. So I think get a pair of runners, any runners, but absolutely. You know, ones with good cushioning, I suppose is fine, but um, just get out. Yeah, and I mean, uh, and, and maybe a park run is a good way to do it because it's not really like a race. You know, some people can treat it like a race, but it's a free 5K event. You yeah, check it out at parkrun.se and you'll you'll meet people there like yourself who don't maybe a bit unsure of themselves wouldn't want to be running a race necessarily but mm. you, it's a social event and you can have a cup of coffee with everybody afterwards it's you know the social side of things is you know is quite important so they they put as much emphasis on that as they do on the on the run itself and that's a nice way of getting started and then it's like it's a fun saturday morning so it's 9:30 every saturday morning right across sweden norway denmark finland um, and around the world they're in slightly different times depending on where you are and once you've got that if you you have to register online and you get yourself a little barcode and that'll give you a time and a position and stuff and then you can start you know competing against yourself like you know yeah. um, and once you have that you can go to any park run and it's free as I said so it's a, it's a good way to start you know, to do something like that and if you don't if you don't like to be with others if you think no I'm too overweight or I'm, I'm not fast enough well you know go out on your own or if you've got a friend that, that wants to do it too great as well just to have some company but um but just don't set the bar too high. Just keep it easy. Like think, what can you, like, what can I manage? You know, so
0: five, what's realistic?
1: What's realistic? Yeah, and enjoy that. Like and enjoy. Like if it's a, if you can, if you can't manage more than a walk, that's fine. Like and enjoy the walk and get the fresh air, and then maybe add in a bit of a jog into that walk. Like the next time you do it, and then just add in a little bit more. You know, or or as I said, you know, split it up at like a hundred meter jog, hundred meter walk, hundred meter jog. You know, and see how you go. And if it feels a bit too tiring, well, then yeah, carry on walking again. But but keep doing it. And consistency is the key. So and the other thing I'd say then is. At minimum three times a week, because mm. if you're doing less than that, you won't actually develop or improve. Yeah, so yeah. you kind of have to go at least three and four, preferably. You know, if you can, if you can build up to that, if you like, you know, or if you have some other sport that you're doing maybe as well, mm. you know, and then and find something you like, you know. I mean, and if running is not your thing. Cycle or swim or do something, but you know, definitely get out and exercise. You know, and I think, and running is a really convenient and easy way to do it. So for me, I loved running, but I mean, I just, I'm, I just love to see people getting out and exercising. So I mean, you do a lot with the with the guy with the Gaelic football, and my son plays rugby down the way. That's right. As yeah. long as they're as long as you are out there doing something and in the fresh air and running and you know having a bit of crack, you know, that's that's great for the body, like and it's great for the mind and everything. So I mean, mm. the, the more people who get out and do that, the better it is really for everybody, you know. But yeah, sure, running was my thing, and you know. My tip would be just take it easy and build up ten percent a week. You know, it yeah. would be the would be the
0: best way to go. And yeah, but just just get out and do it, though. Yeah. And it certainly is something we've all done it as kids. Or virtually everybody can do it. You can run, you can walk, and that kind of thing. You're a great advocate for it. So yeah. you may very well see me at nine thirty in Huddingham, but only if I can bring me treadmill. Colin, thanks. <laughs> thanks so much for talking to me.
2: <laughs> Two hundred meters to go, and one feels that there's only one man with a killer threat there. Oh, it looks to see where Tracy is. But Chesney, over goes, has a look and smiles, he's, Tracy's going after him and he's got a race on his hands and Steve's got to run and it's done him the world of good, he's got to go for the line, well done John Tracy and well done Steve, oh and he's got it and Tracy may have stolen it, he might just have stolen it in which case Steve has only got himself to blame it was a marvellous run he won't begrudge Tracy, I know that he'll not be him but Tracy the mudlark has sneaked it in 13.27.8 and I'm sure he stole it on the line John Tracy says yes it was me what a way to finish the evening Brent says what happened to you and Steve must have thought that he had that absolutely sewn up Marvelous
0: run, a lovely race. There you go. Forty-three years since John Tracy pipped Steve Ovett on the lie. Go on to YouTube, lads, right? Steve Ovett, John Tracy, YouTube, London, nineteen eighty, and Steve Ovett is running along there, and he's got kind of a rail waving to the crowd and smiling, and he thinks he has the Irishman beaten, and John Tracy goes mad on a sport up the back straight, as you would have heard in the clip there, and Steve holds him off. But not the last sort of 10, metres or whatever. Tracy just dived over the line just to get a win there. And it was uh, fantastic to see. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with the wonderful Colin O'Callaghan about running. If it was a little bit Swedish-centric, as I said there... Um, the idea originally was to have it on the Irish and Sweden podcast, uh, which is on the same feed as you'll find this Global Gale podcast. But I decided it was definitely one for a global audience because I think we can all listen and take something from uh, no matter where you're going running. If you're going running on Bondi Beach or if you're going running on Bray Head, I think it's definitely worth listening to what Column had to say there. That is it for this week. As I say, this is a community supported podcast. It only exists because you do Patreon.com forward slash Arrowman in Stockholm. If you can throw in the L fiver there, and if if you can't, do me a favor, right? Because the way social media has gone these days, lads, it's all about the organic reach, right? And that means that it's one thing me sharing it. It's kind of like if I say good things about the podcast, well, I would say that, wouldn't I? But when you share it and when you maybe say, look, at, uh, have a listen to this chap, have a listen to this podcast. I enjoy it every week. It makes so much difference. And that helps it sort of get in front of more and more people and that's true whether you're listening you know. whether you find it on Facebook or on Twitter or on LinkedIn or on on, uh, on TikTok or wherever you found it Instagram uh, all those things help so the more people that are sort of sharing it and the more people are saying nice things about it the, better, the bigger the audience we can reach and in fairness there's 70 million of us and I don't think all of them have heard it yet I've seen the statistics and there's still a few outliers there so if you can share it I would be very very grateful I will be back again with another podcast next week I have a whole load of interviews that I've, uh, I've lined up but this is one of those Irish weeks whereby everybody's last minute like, oh, no, sorry, I can't do it. Oh, no, sorry, I can't do it. So hopefully uh, normal service will be resumed now in the next week. And we'll get loads of interviews in the tank. And if you do have anything you'd like to share with the world, get in touch with me. Until next week, my friends, take care of yourselves, take care of one another, and I'll talk to you again very, very soon indeed.